We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who I am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Welcome to, War, welcome to Wednesday War College. What a treat today. Today we have both Kyle Clement and Dan Schneider. We haven't had them together in a while. We want to try to do this at least once a month. I uh, want to just welcome Dan and Kyle. Welcome to War College, guys. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Good to see you, brother. Good to be here. Okay. Um, but today's going to be something that's down your wheelhouse. This is something that you guys probably know in your sleep. But there's a lot of people that email this question around the country. It's a recurring question. And so what is it? There's a book here I have in my hand. It's called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. Written by Father Chad Ripperger. In the introduction... There's about a 10 page intro on authority. It is awesome. Can you, Dan or Kyle, can you give us a, in, a, in a, just a one minute the introduction that Father Ripperger writes on that section on authority? What did he seek? What did he seek to do? Well, let me start and then, then Kyle, you can go, you can go a little deeper, but um, basically, you can't understand uh, combat without understanding the rules of combat. So, so a father's walking the reader down here, and what we're going to flesh out more deeply in the new manual is that the demon's going to yield or not yield according to three specific questions. Like when I went, when I had my every military vehicle has a dash ten, right, which is the the operator's manual. The, the operator's manual for spiritual warfare is going to walk the demon, walk you down three specific things. And the very first thing that's going to, the demon's going to yield or not yield to your prayers, not based on, are you anointed? Not based on, do you have the right body posture? Do you have the right charism and gift? The demon, first of all, is going to say, does this person have requisite authority over the person, place, or the object? And so understanding authority is very important. I have, I have here the ranger handbook um, that, that, that rangers to this day still use based on the rules Changing. Roger's first rule is all rangers are subject to the laws and regulations of warfare. The first rule of warfare is the is the uh, um, authority structure. You've got to know the authority structure. If you don't have the authority over the person, place, or the object, um, the demon may or may not yield. It may you may get some movement um, under the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, but you're not going to get deep movement and, per, and, and permanent movement unless you have the requisite authority. Kyle, what would you say about Father's intro? Uh, Dan is spot on. Uh, I, I think that um, what I'm about to say is secondary to what Dan says, because primary is, is the juridical question, the jurisdiction, the authority. Um, are you where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do? The second one is the nature of the weapon itself. Um, and 
and many things which don't appear to be weapons, which are. For instance, um, if you've ever watched some of the uh, action hero shows or these kind of things, the guy takes a credit card and then kills a Russian gang of 12 really tough guys, you know. And, and so that credit card that looks innocuous, that doesn't appear to be a weapon, that's the Hail Mary. Um, you can do more with a Hail Mary. A, a properly trained Marine and a hand grip can do more to make you pee your pants than anybody else. And so the Hail Mary used properly, these these prayers used properly um, are very, very important. And there has to be a familiarity and an intimacy. And Jesse, I, a good example, you were in law enforcement. Um, you never went to the range, right? You never handled your weapon. You never practiced, correct? Once a month. Why? Well, you had to, you had to qualify to make sure that uh, you knew how to use your weapon so you can carry it. That's what the department required. And, and that's a, very much a minimum. A lot of guys went way over that. And it's not a fixation with weapons. What it is is the realization that when your faculties invert, when the demon appears in front of you and memory and emotion and instinct immediately uh, go to the top and intellect and will become suppressed, you have to be able to function. You have to be able to uh, to pray the prayers. I can remember very well the first formal session of exorcism I was in. It was my job to pray the rosary in uh, support. And there was a very significant manifestation, and I literally could not pray the Hail Mary. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know the words. I couldn't pray it. Uh, I think Dan has had similar experiences. You, you get into um, a situation where you have to be able to remember these things. You, you can't say, oh, oh, what was that prayer about um, that uh, virgin? Uh, what, what, uh, what, what did they call her? By then you're done. It has to be at your fingertips. And that's what Father's talking about is familiarity, uh, the intimacy with the weapon, uh, the prayers. And it all has to be out of love of God, not for the desire to beat the demon. Got it. There's a prayer called Sealing Prayer of Protection. When would that be used? So it's on page 13. Time. That's the very first one. And so it's going to be used any time that uh, you suspect an extraordinary diabolical presence. You are in a position of authority and you're about uh, to um, address this demon directly or indirectly. And you're about to address this situation. And so it's a situational assessment. Um, it's a first level of realization of what's about to happen. Um, and, and as Dan says in, in Robert's Rules of Ranging, you, you got to know the topography. You got to know the terrain. You don't rush into the house without knowing what's in there uh, or having a pretty good idea of what's in there. And so that <clears throat> ceiling and perimeter prayer brings a sobriety. It brings a protection. It brings a focal point to, to not only you as the authority figure, but everybody that's uh, requisite to the prayer effort. Right, right. And also, I would add to that, too, when when um, when you're in session, this is this is part of the, you know, Kyle and I are hopefully going to work together when we get through these next two manuscripts. We're going to work on a phase three manual for for priests to use during session. And one of the things it's very it's a very standard. There's a very standard procedure. You, you have opening prayers, you have sealing prayers, you seal the, the senses. And so the exorcist will go and he'll anoint the eyes, the ears. You know, he'll anoint the forehead and then you take some oil and you cover your senses, not just symbolically. You're putting a sacramental um, to block any any spirits from from trying to attach to you. That's what a clinging spirit is. A clinging spirit is 
is a, a you know a hitchhiker tar babies these are these other other words we use these are things that cling to you um and this 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 type using the use of oil and the sacramentals helps to helps to keep those things this is think of the, think of this one as the fighter jets when you went into the ring what's the what do they do to you right before you go into the ring they smear that vaseline they smear it along your your, ah. your around your eyes so uh-huh. that because you got big old square eyebrows like I do, you're going to cut real easily. So they're going to put a, a load of that right there. So when the leather hits, it slides. And this is kind of what this prayer does very functionally. If you're going out and you're going to an abortion clinic uh, and you're going to protest in front of an abortion clinic, this is a good type of prayer that you can pray over yourself. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you next. I use this prayer, by the way, when I, I fly a lot. So uh, as I'm entering the plane with Anita, I'll, I'll pray this prayer over us. Was that be, yeah. Is that proper? Cool. Yes. Next prayer. It's called prayer of command. When would that prayer be used? Dan or Kyle? Yeah. Uh, Anywhere that you have. uh, Remember, you have you have uh, uh, full authority over yourself um, and and over your body where you are. It's locus uh, direct uh, directed. So you can pray this for protection for yourself. not or over your over your own temporal goods over your home um this is just another another prayer to uh, another uh a prayer for protection but you're commanding any demon you're doing it from a place of right authority going back to the introduction to the book father father's book this is one of the first rules you have authority so if you're sitting on a bus you don't have authority over the bus um but you have authority over over yourself and and um and you can command demons around yourself but this is one you would use also in your home and your business especially when you suspect any kind of um, diabolic affliction of any kind of oppression or anything. Got it. What about the next prayer? Carmelite invocation. Carmelite invocation prayer. So this is a this is a classic um, deprecatory prayer where you're invoking uh, angels and saints. And, you know, to, to uh, Dan is involved in a Carmelite um, convent. I've been involved with Carmelites for a long time, and and the thing is, is they're pretty um, they're pretty deceptive, not purposely. But you look at a Carmelite, and you're thinking, oh, contemplative, gentle soul. You got to remember who the founder of this thing was: Elijah, slitting 400 priests' throats, and their blood running ankle deep. This is a <laughs> combat order, and it's very much a combat order. Um, you know, all the all the Tibetan monks and all the Shintos and all of those guys, they, they got nothing on the Carmelites who do this stuff spiritually. Um, and so the, the invocation of the Carmelites is very, very powerful. We have seen particular Carmelite saints and blesseds and venerables be very, very present in exorcism. Um, some real heavy hitters. Uh, you had a very big Carmelite presence in the concentration camps in World War II. You had um, so you're you're calling to mind um, the Green Beret, if you will. And mm. so I, I think that you know if you're going into an altercation um, or you think you're going to go into an altercation, you call the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, who gave Simon Stock the the scapular. And you call all of those saints, including uh, all the way back to Elijah, man, you just put a heavy force behind your back. Wednesday War College, we'll be right back. Kyle, Dan, and Jess, don't go anywhere. We'll continue talking about...
College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement, Dan Schneider. We're taking a look at some of the prayers on Father Ripper's his book, Deliverance Prayers of the Lay. A lot of people ask questions how to use this book. I just want to mention, Kyle, you got some retreats coming up. Are, are there any openings? No, Jesse, we start on Sunday and we are full. I really appreciate all of the listener response. Um, it's been really, really good, but we're full and I think we can kind of set aside these uh, last three weeks in June uh, next year as well uh, to do Father Ripperger's father-son retreat, his mother-daughter retreat, and we'll do a reclamation theology retreat. Awesome. So we'll be doing this again next year, right? It, that's our intention. It sure is. And, uh, and I'll have some dates hopefully for you pretty soon on uh, some priest exorcist trainings, some laity conferences, and some mental health conferences. Perfect. Hey, just want to remind everybody that June is the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We also celebrate this month the Feast of Corpus Christi. Uh, the, we celebrate uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus and also the Immaculate Heart of Mary. June is a powerful month for us as Catholics. I know the culture of death, uh, they're celebrate, celebrating Pride Month. Uh, that means nothing to us as Catholic. Pride simply is one of the seven deadly sins, and we have nothing to do with this month that the secular humanists are trying to uh, co-opt. So I got Kyle and Dan here. The next prayer is called Invocation of the Entire Heavenly Court. That prayer is another spiritual warfare prayer, correct? Deprecatory in nature, used when? So this particular prayer um, would be an opening statement of an attorney. Essentially, the opening statement is, Judge, you have jurisdiction over this case because this person lives here, this person does this, this the, the thing was happened here. So what essentially this is, is um, bringing the demon uh, present uh, to the to the court, to the heavenly court, uh, and all the um, courtiers of that. Jesus, uh, our Lord, uh, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. So this is the opening jurisdictional statement that essentially puts the demon on notice that, uh, yes, he is uh, under this authority. But more importantly, it names the individual for whom you're praying specifically. So it specifies uh, the effort, it specifies the petition, and also makes it clear to the demon that this person, the human, has a very different place in front of this court than the demon. Dan, you want to add something? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great analogy because it, it brings to it, it, it shows you the legality of, uh, of the rules of engagement. If the previous prayer if this prayer is, is the opening argument, this is a statement of jurisdiction. The previous prayer is bringing in the, the jury, the cloud of witnesses through the Carmelite order, you know. And so what another interesting thing is words, you know, prayer begets what it signifies. The words mean things. So when you're invoking the heavenly court, you're bringing to bear the whole mystical body. We have to get we have to expand beyond the modern view of the church as this organization, this this, you know, this human structure, a corporation. It's not a corporation. It's the corporus. St. Augustine, going back all the way to St. Augustine, even previous, the, the head and members form one body, the total the total Christ. The, the priests work in persona Christi, but we work as the totus Christus, the entire Christ, the body of Christ. And that body of Christ isn't just limited to us here on earth, what we can visibly see. It involves the invisible body. Parts of the invisible body, the church militant here on earth, the church 
uh, uh, suffering in purgatory and the church triumphant in heaven. So when you're invoking the heavenly court, you're bringing to bear the full body, the full incarnate, spiritual, mystical, divine and human body of Christ to bear on the diabolic. And it's and it's much more effective doing and doing it this way than than just trying to come up with a clever prayer or a certain thing. This is this is a, a court action. You you've called together your witnesses, and these witnesses, if you look at the previous witnesses, you've got the martyrs, you've got virgins. You know you the, the the you're going through the litanies, for example. You're calling forth not only those saints, but the but but also the charisms involved with those those saints and their religious orders. Whatever they defeated, however they defeated the enemy on earth, that charism now is now adding to the treasury of merit of the church and brings to bear into into spiritual combat. This is why you you know why would you have just litanies listed off here in a book on spiritual warfare? Why don't you have a fancy prayer, something sexy as they say? Litanies, the invocation of the heavenly court, the Carmelite the Carmelite shield. You're bringing you're bringing the entire church down uh, on earth upon the situation, and you're putting the enemy on notice. Next prayer is called Prayer of Authority. I do this prayer before my radio shows. Is that the proper way to use this prayer? I think it's within proper usage. Um, I, I think that, again, you look at prayer to take authority. It, we should read these prayers for the theological content, for the edification, and for the education that is in them. And so this prayer really focuses on the person who is praying the prayer needs to have the requisite authority to call upon the name of Jesus to do the following things or, or to have the following effect. And I think that we lose sight of authority. Um, one may only exercise authority justly and in right order when one is subjected to authority justly and in right order. And so we often don't think about uh, subjecting ourselves in the simple statement, Jesus Christ is Lord. What does that mean? He's Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing. Uh, if there's any part of our life that is reserved through habitual mortal sin, you can't pray this prayer without getting knocked on your keister. <laughs> it's just really simple. You Men especially, you have to be pure. You have to have your house in order. You have to have yourself in order uh, because this thing, so in the cowboy vernacular, this thing will come right back up the rope. What does that mean? So when you're roping cattle horseback, you run after them, you lasso them. And if the cow's combative, oftentimes when the rope gets tight, then the cow comes right back up the rope. And so instead of you being the pursuer, now you've got the cow coming right back up the rope to jump in the saddle with you or knock you down. And so it's a very sobering and humbling thing when a cowboy runs out, ropes the cow, and she comes back up the rope. She's on the fight or she's on the hook. So if you pray this prayer to, to take authority and you take authority and you've got any kind of little chink or you got any kind of little problem, this demon's going to come back up the rope on you. Kyle, would you say that uh, all these prayers in the book, they're for serious Catholics. They better be in a state of grace when they're praying these prayers, correct? In the Yeah, exactly, Jesse. In the same way that did you play with your service weapon? No, I don't play. No. Well, the, the same thing, and that's what I'm saying. We need to write, read these things for the theology. Um, read them very closely. See what you're you're talking about. Uh, it's one thing to handle a nine millimeter pistol, nine millimeter pistol from the novelty. It's another one to realize that if you pull that trigger, you're going to send a projectile capable of, of knocking down a bear or a human or or doing irreparable damage. You're going to have a cosmic effect when you pull that trigger. When you say this prayer, you're going to have an effect, and it's it's. Uh, 
it's it's that simple. Yeah, yeah, what, what was the first rule of uh, the first rule of uh, you? I'm sure you were a safety officer sometime or another, range officer. What's the first rule? You never muzzle your weapon at anything you're not willing to kill, maim, or destroy. So. Correct. You've got to know what you're doing in spiritual combat. Um, you've you've got to do this from the right positionality, and that is from the state of grace and from a position of authority. When you do that, you can put lead down range. When you don't do that, that weapon could be turned against you. How many people, how many times do you teach a, a young officer or a young soldier, you teach them, or even teaching a cowboy, uh, um, uh, Kyle, when you when you when you pull that that pistol, you always keep that finger off the trigger. And how many times you hear about somebody they they draw real quick in a, an emergency situation, but they they're not in the habit of keeping the finger parallel to the trigger, and they put their hand, finger on the trigger. And what do they do? Rather than defending themselves, they shoot themselves in the leg or shoot themselves in the foot. So just be aware that these these principles are are at place here. So when you when you're doing this prayer of authority. You're you're doing this from that from that place, but but make sure the the, the that you're that you understand and use the weapons correctly. No, it's nothing to be afraid of, but it's any more than a weapon should be afraid of. But it, but it's something that needs to be used in right order in the right way. You know, both of you know this, but I uh, I get a lot of emails as a result of this Monday to Friday program, and people will tell me, Jess, I started doing the Exilium Christian Orm prayers, and I'm getting attacked viciously attacked and i tell them read the requirements it tells you on the requirements and frequently asked questions you must be in a state of grace you must have gone to confession so i know a lot of people that constantly email me they think it's like a a silver bullet like magic you know you want you just rub it rub a, a, a bottle with a genie comes out they're going to say the prayers and they're going to be completely healed and they're in mortal sin. And so this, I get these recurring emails over and over. I say these prayers and I'm getting attacked. My my bed got flipped over at night. Something grabbed my ankle, threw me against the wall. I mean, I'm talking about vicious stuff. And this is exactly what you guys are talking about. People praying these prayers in mortal sin. Very dangerous. What is the breastplate of St. Patrick prayer, Kyle? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there, but I just want to make a, a comment on what you just said, Jesse. If you want a visual of this, Google bison attacks Yellowstone Park. Okay. Because they're cute and you want to get close, you want to get that picture, they can and will kill you given the chance. And it's and it's in not intention. The intention is not what's operative. Breastplate of St. Michael, uh, breastplate of St. Patrick. First of all, let's talk about the history on some of these things. The history on, on this is really, really important. So when it talks about St. Patrick driving the serpents from Ireland, it's uh, it's both actual and uh, figurative or symbolic of spirits. So what you have to realize is where, what was Ireland at the, at the time that St. Patrick, who had been once enslaved, now becomes a, uh, ordained. He escapes. He becomes a priest. He becomes a bishop. Where did they send him? Right back to the place he was enslaved. What was the atmosphere? What was the spiritual atmosphere? Rome was driving in front of it all of those people who practiced any religion that didn't recognize the um, the emperor, the Caesar, as God. And so this included pagans, druids, witches. If you've ever seen, if you know in the animal kingdom, how do you know how a fox gets rid of fleas and ticks? He takes no. a stick 
He takes a stick, puts it in his mouth, and submerges himself with only the stick in his nostrils above the water. Mm. He can breathe. And then all of the vermin go up on the stick. All the ticks and all the fleas, he spits the stick and he's gone. So this is what was happening. The stick where all the ticks and fleas and vermin, spiritual vermin, were being driven by the Roman Empire was Ireland. It had the highest concentration per capita of witches, druids, all of these people. Um, and so let's talk about a couple of terms that are in that prayer that people want to change modernly. The nice little TLM uh, mother with six children has a hard time praying, protect me from women. So she says something else. <laughs> Pray the prayer as it's written. Women in this breastplate of St. Michael means specifically women, females, not under authority. Loose women. These were usually witches. Hold that thought. Kyle, hold that thought. Wednesday War College, we'll be right back. Kyle Clement, Dan Snyder. Look around. Joker, do you believe in the Virgin Mary? Sir, no, sir! Well, private Joker, I don't believe I heard you correctly. Sir, the private said no, sir, sir! Why, you little maggot, you make me want to vomit! You're having a seether and you had best sound off that you love the Virgin Mary, or I'm gonna stomp your guts out. Now, you do love the Virgin Mary, don't you? We just What's we just word? wanted to show a clip from uh, last year's uh, Reclamation Theology <laughs> retreat given by Kyle Clement. Yeah, that was, you know that was Kyle for? in disguise. You guys signed up for this retreat. I want them to be no. They they got to see what they're showing up for. Yeah, that was Kyle. Because <laughs> Kyle was Clement is the, he is the gunny. He is the, he is the marine gunny of of spiritual warfare. That's right, Kyle. You're talking. You're giving us a background to this. Uh, St. Patrick breastplate prayer. I think I heard you mention something about. Did you say women shouldn't say this prayer? I may I may have mis heard wrong. No, I I said that there is a I would hear a high incident of women uh, altering the prayer. Oh, okay. Uh, first of yeah. all, this is yeah. First of all, this is a patriarchal prayer. This is a head of household prayer. This is a man's prayer. Uh -huh. Um, and the it uses the word the term women smiths and druids. And what they're talking about specifically is practitioners of dark arts, practitioners of witchcraft, manipulation, etc. But this prayer is extremely effective because St. Patrick's Day and time spiritually looks very, very much like our day and time. Um, you've got a lot of practitioners of dark arts casually or purposefully. Nonetheless, it's like we talked about the weapon. It doesn't matter whether I casually fire the nine millimeter or purposely fire the nine millimeter. The projectile is a projectile and the power behind it is the power behind it. Um, so the breastplate of St. Michael, if you think things are coming against your family, if you think um, if you live and, and work in a secular world, uh, this is a very effective prayer uh, just against the smoke and filth that you're going to encounter on a daily basis and your family's going to encounter and if you've got children going to public school, by all means, pray this prayer. And if you've got children going to Catholic school where they're teaching questionable theories and and uh, different things, by all means, pray this prayer. This is this is what this is for. Is this a morning prayer, evening prayer? 
I think it's a morning prayer. I think it's an early morning prayer before you fire the, the fire up the choppers before <laughs> before you saddle the horses. This is an early morning prayer before you get out into the world. Dan, comment. Yeah, yeah. So um, you see the breastplate, or or, or later, well, there, there's the Athanasian shield. Um, people often mis- mistake mistakenly think that the shield or the breastplate uh, is different than the shield, but the shield in particular is only a defensive weapon. Your, your, the, 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 the ancient Roman shield was used both as a defensive weapon and as an offensive, a strike weapon. Um, it had a big boss uh, in the middle, in the middle of it, with a spike, and you could use it, yes, to, to deflect the flaming arrows, but also you could use it to. The, the, the Romans were trained to, 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 to a short burst of rush against their opponent to knock him off guard, to get him out of balance, and expose him to the sword, to the to Roman gladius. So, so we got to understand prayer is this way. Sometimes this, the shield is going to be, or this breastplate is going to be a prayer of projection. So when you're praying this, you're, you're using the imagination. This is why meditation and meditative prayer is, is, and mental prayer is so important. So you're projecting this. You're projecting this image around your children. You know, you've got a child going on a, on whatever that you know that, yeah, this is a little dangerous. You're sending them off to school. You're invoking the heavenly court. You're invoking uh, patriarchs, apostles, angels, uh, uh, um, virgins. You're 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 invoking their support, and you're placing around them this shield of protection. But also, you're also pushing back with that same shield. You're also pushing against the enemy through projection uh, as well. So remember, if we're not mental or vocal prayer, the lowest level of prayer is vocal prayer. The next level is mental prayer or meditation. And with, with vocal prayer, it's not you're not just reading to God. You're not just going to read to God these prayers. Vocal prayer, at a minimum, uses the lips in prayer, but also engages the the the, the will, the heart. You're 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 praying the words and you're projecting from the heart. Is when and when you begin to to also use the imagination more deeply, you can wield this in a more meditative way and use it use it again both offensively and defensively. But we don't fall into the trap that prayer is just reading. You're not reading to God. You're projecting your prayers into the cosmos with specific words. No specific words will have specific reactions in the spiritual realm. I like that. That's important, Dan, because I think a lot of Catholics, they probably never heard what you just said right now about projecting prayers into the cosmos. Most of them just sit down and read their prayers like a fourth grader or a third grader. And uh, that's good that you just inserted that at the very end because it's going to be very helpful. What about page 18, binding prayers? Kyle, when would somebody use that? Those are deprecatory prayers. When would somebody use that? Okay, so first of all, what is your authority structure? How are you calling upon these individuals? And I think another thing is, you know, you're, you're going to pray to St. Michael. Who is he? What did he do? How did he do it? Um, you, you pray that the Blessed Mother will provide uh, protection or, or under her mantle, this imagery. What is that exactly? Are you clean enough to be in their presence? Are you, I mean, by, are you, are you calling them for your own benefit? Are you calling them for an economy of salvation benefit? Are you trying to affect somebody's behavior? Ask yourself these questions. Am I using this weapon righteously? Jesse and, and Dan both will, will, I think, back me up on this. And, and the old adage is when you pull a weapon, you need to be using it as you're pulling it. it it's not to be brandished. It's not to be threatening. You're, if, if you pull it, you better be pulling the trigger. You better be using it. 
are certainly prepared to, like Dan said, first rule of the range, never pointed at anything that you're not willing to, uh, to destroy. But by the same token, this weapon, these weapons have a flash. Um, they're going to give you, they're going to expose you immediately. What does a flash mean? If it's nighttime and I shoot at Dan, there's a muzzle flash and now he knows exactly where the assailant is. So this is one of the big things that that gives away a sniper position. This is one of the big things that gives away a position is realize that you better be in a in a fortified position, meaning a place of purity, uh, a place of pure motive, a place, a state of grace, because um, these are powerful things that you're asking for and that you're associating yourself with. So the deprecatory prayer, even a lot of people say, well, I don't have any authority, so I'm just going to pray the deprecatory prayer. Yeah, you still got to have some authority and you got to have some sovereignty and you got to have some purity to pray these prayers. Yeah, I've seen just just in the last couple of weeks, I've had inquiries from people that that were using this type of prayer for a total stranger, for somebody that they that their 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 husband worked with that has some diabolic problems, his wife's a witch, they're completely entrenched with with uh, witchcraft and this person decides out of compassion to start praying deprecatory prayers for a total stranger in a foreign country and lo and behold she gets retaliated against because you're stepping out of your lane the the the, the demon doesn't doesn't mind doesn't care about our borders the demon doesn't the borders that the demon follows are the permissions that they've been given and the right order of authority so when when you're you're projecting your prayers for this individual out of out of pity for them but you're praying you're picking up a weapon you're shooting a flash there's a flash it's a muzzle blast coming off your off your rifle and if and if, and if you're not in right authority and it's and you hit the wrong type you mess with the wrong type of demon he's going to retaliate against you when you work within the right authority structure Things, things work out better. Things work out for you safely. If you do get a little bit of retaliation, we call it formation. That it really is just teaching you to shore up those areas. But there's a difference between being retaliated against and, and opening yourself up to a clinging spirit or an oppression than just the Lord allowing you just, just to take a little, take a, just to wrestle for a little bit to shore, your, shore up your defenses to teach you how to close off this or that door. So, so Kyle is absolutely correct in, in, in showing how this is very critical that your positionality is absolutely important. You know, so, so, but this particular prayer, this binding prayer, um, again, learn how to pray for other people. We always think, well, if I did this prayer or that prayer, the best prayer you can do sometimes is uh, a rock flips into your shoe, a little teeny pebble. And rather than just squeal like a little girl, like, oh, no, my foot hurts, and you dump it out of your shoe, walk around with it for, for 20 minutes and offer that prayer up for the soul. That is way more effective, more powerful weapon. Uh, giving up small little things, uh, small little sacrifices for other people, um, That those prayers are far more effective warfare prayers because you're now engaging the body. How many people have we seen, Kyle, in the last year that have either gone to an axe retreat and then they show up on our list because they, it's not like the actual cheats are bad. They're great, but they're having a conversion. Or how many people say, um, when did this all start? Well, I, I have a, a, a guy recently. It all started because he started doing Exodus 90. And so what does Exodus 90 do? It teaches the man to use and wield his body as a weapon. He, he, you refrain from, from, from the marital act for 90 days. You're taking cold showers. You're not drinking any alcohol. You're fasting on bread and water two days a week. You're now engaging bodily like a, like a soldier, like a warrior. And so engaging in your body, when you combine that with these, with these prayers, 
within your realm of authority, now you got plus P, P rounds, right, Jess? You guys use those. Yeah. Now you got now you got the rounds that are really going to stop and hit their target, but they're not going to blow through the wall and hit a stranger. They're, you're going to hit your target, so to speak. Let me ask you. Let me ask both you guys specifically, because I know people are going to ask. So I want to get specific. On page 18, there are three binding prayers. One of them says this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, I ask you to render all spirits impotent, paralyzed and ineffective in attempting to take revenge against any one of us, our families. Okay, you know that prayer. So that one would be, to me, seems like that's a head of house prayer over the family. Is that correct? Family or community, you find yourself in a position of authority, employees, Dan's praying this prayer over his employees, I'm praying it over my employees, anybody that you have a temporal or spiritual responsibility for their well-being. Remember, authority authority flows, Jesse, not through charism, it comes through office. office. Um, it flows through office. It's the office of X that gives you the authority to pray this prayer. So so if you're if that office is one of authority in your place of business by natural law or, you know, if you're if you're the you're in charge of security at an X or Y organization, you've got a certain natural law authority and obligation to exercise. So it's working within that office that that this prayer is prayed. OK, the next one says. St. Michael prayer, our father, hail Mary and glory be in, in my ah, here it comes. Here's the music. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Kyle, Dan, Jess. Wednesday War College. My name is Jesse Romero. <clears throat> we have the two probably most literate, experienced, and educated Catholics in the field of Catholic spiritual warfare in the world. Kyle Clement and, and Dan Schneider. Uh, both of them are a gift to the church, and they're both coming out with a book that should be coming out in the next couple of months, which I believe is going to be a Moab-type book, Mother of All Books. I'm asking both these guys questions about Father Ripperger's book on prayers, since these are constant questions we receive via email. Another binding prayer on page 18 is, or Dan, you you were saying something, weren't you? Be yeah, I was just I, I want us to get him another principle of of, of war um, for prayer. Uh, Kyle will understand this especially because he's—I know he's a hunter. But if you've ever hunted birds, whether it's whether it's uh, dove or or particularly uh, um, duck or or quail, um, there's a tendency when you flush a flock uh, and you and you and you either jump a jump jump a covey of uh, a coven uh, a covey of um, of quail or or some or, or duck to just shoot to blast into the into the group and just hope that you hit one there might be 30 of them sitting before you and if there's 30 sitting before you if you just shoot into the pack you're not going to hit one you're a flock shooter and I, I we've all made that mistake um chesty polo the famous uh, marine general uh medal of honor winner said uh um we're surrounded that simplifies the problem which means anywhere, any direction we shoot, we hit one of the enemy. So being specific in prayer is absolutely critical. So when you go through these prayers, 
you're thinking, you're engaging the prayers with your intellect, your, your heart is projecting the will over the person, the object, the situation, the, the problem you're having at work or over this child or re- this relationship. You're not just sh- blasting into the flock of birds or, you know, you're, you're, you're specifically picking one, right? So, so that, that's one of the key principles of, of prayer. So as you work through these, each one of these is a different weapon. If you're going to go out and, and, and you're going to, you're going to turkey hunt, you're going to use a turkey slug. You're not going to use a number eight or a number nine because that's not going to do it. So you're going to pick the right round for the right, the right, the right, you know, the right animal that you're hunting or right bird. Or you're going to use the right weapon in a Cobra helicopter. You know, we would go on our missions. You would either take you would go heavy 20 millimeter or tank, tank busting or, or rockets if you're going against light armors, light skin vehicles. You got to know which one you're going after. And so so working through that specificity in prayer, but also knowing when to use it. So the one, these prayers here, the binding prayers, these are prayers that you're praying when you have the, some, some office, whether it's, whether, you know, that you have some office that gives you the right authority and positionality to pray from. Okay. That answers all, that answers everything that people are going to ask. You just said it. You have to have some office of authority to pray the binding prayers found on page 18. Now there's a prayer on page 18 on the very bottom. It's a little bit different. It says, Jesus, I ask you to bind and seal all power sources attached to either any of us in the most precious blood of Jesus. And I ask you to render them all completely helpless, impotent, neutralized, paralyzed, and ineffective in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That prayer is specifically a prayer asking the Lord to stop a demon from doing what? So it talks about the power sources. What enables him is malefice, uh, an ongoing malefice, habitual mortal sin, acts against the will of God the Father. I want to make a really, really, um, I, I don't want to say it important, but I think it's its pivotal comment at this point. We are in a section we call the precious blood prayers. If you'll notice that these last few prayers have, are all invoking the precious blood of Jesus. And, and Dan had just talked about Exodus 90 when a man's using his body. Where did that blood come from? His precious blood was pumped through his sacred heart. This is sacrificial theology. You cannot call on the precious blood of Jesus and see it in the chalice as something already harvested and purified and now at your disposal. No, no, no. This is the blood as it runs down his precious feet and drips drop by drop onto the ground. This is the blood that is flowed at the scourging. This is the blood mixed with sweat that flows down his precious body. This is, if you're not joining in sacrificial theology, if you're not living your office, your vocation, if you're not living your faith and you call in the precious blood, you're an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist who's spilling something in a chalice. you got to realize how that got there, how how that was wrought, and the power of it drop by precious drop. Um, the this precious blood, as uh, us being able to take it, was reserved for centuries uh, to solemnities. Then, as a result of an indult, which was supposed to end in 1984, we became we had it in in the mass. You look at all the precious blood that was spilt, all of the things that were was wasted. Now it it, it goes out of um, 
free distribution during COVID, not because we realized how precious it was, but because we were afraid of our own frailty. The precious blood of Jesus is probably one of the most um, efficacious substances in all the cosmos. And so these precious blood prayers, what are you doing to, you know, what are you giving? What are you, how are you joined to the sacrificial theology where you're calling upon this precious blood to, to be the agent of binding, to take the power away from the malefices that are being done, to stop the habitual mortal sin. And if we're wasting the precious blood in a prayer to try to affect someone's behavior, then we really need to look at it. Our prayers don't need to be a, to affect a person's behavior. They need to be a, to affect their salvation. And the demon just needs to be, um, when we're talking about get him off of me, you're simply buying a, a, a respite. You're, you're getting the person enough time to, to make a clear choice. And he may well choose against God. But I wanted to say that about these precious blood prayers. All of these precious blood prayers, um, you've you got to have the sacrificial theology mentality, the Exodus 90. What is your skin in the game? What are you doing? Dan, any comments? Uh, no, I mean, that, that's that's beautiful. Uh, uh, what Kyle say, he's spot on. This is part of what we do. Uh, our version of Exodus 90 is is the phase one protocol. The first phase of the protocol, we find that the demon responds to the order, imposition of order, he does to the prayers themselves. So imposing order and taking upon yourself a sacrificial mentality, that freedom from the diabolic means freedom for u- union with Christ. As Kyle, Kyle often says, that the demon is tertiary in Catholic liberation. Too often we let the demon become primary. The demon is tertiary. Number one in Catholic liberation is Jesus Christ. The focus is on Christ, his sacrifice, and our union with him and our own sacrifice. The second is our any obstacles that are that are blocking us from deeper union with Christ. And only third, focusing on what the demon is doing. So uniting ourselves to, to that is very, very important. For example, in this precious blood prayer, the third one, Jesus, pour thy precious blood over me. I'm on page 19. Uh, Over my body, my mind, my soul, my conscious, my subconscious. Because part of part of 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 the efficaciousness of prayer, the rule number two on whether the demon will bind yield or not is on the merit of the petitioner. So working on ordering yourself interiorly, purifying or healing, so to speak, the wounds of, of your faculties. This is what Rogers Ranger says. Number two, their standing order. Have your musket clean as a whistle. Hatchet scoured, 60 rounds of powder and ball, be ready to march at a minute's warning. You want you a ranger is ready, a spiritual ranger is ready at all times. He he's got his weapon clean. He's got he's he's ready to go in combat. And this is why this is absolutely critical. And part of that is that 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 sacrificial mentality that Kyle's talking about. And so now you're praying the precious blood upon yourself, your faculties, your vocation, you're invoking the 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 means right of our salvation and our own healing by his wounds we are healed you're invoking that upon yourself you're scouring your hatchet your 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 musket as clean as a whistle so that because if you ever shot a muzzleloader that first round you might hit your target that second round it's going to start moving by the third and fourth round that thing's going to start knuckleballing the dirtier your rifle is, the less accurate your, your weapon is. And how many soldiers do we have in Vietnam that we found next to their dead bodies a jammed M16, which is why we developed a better version of it for our modern soldiers? You've got to have a clean weapon. And part of that is the interior faculties um, of thought, 
word, deed, emotions, passions. This is why we spend so much time on what we call what's called Thomistic psychology, purifying the inner self so that so that you become an instrument and more Christ-like and your prayers become more Christ-like. Then, uh, Kai, let me ask you, because I know somebody's going to ask. You had mentioned that one of the power sources is a malefice. Can you define malefice for the audience? Yeah, malefice is an action which militates against the holy will of God, which is union and or salvation. So the demon will count as a malefice or something which empowers him, sin, and any other things. It doesn't have to be a formalized malefice, hex, spell, curse, a simple affirmation. A classic example of a mal- ongoing malefice is contraception. And so the demon, if he's there through Freemasonry or however he's there, he's going to count contraception as an affirmation um, of, of child sacrifice, of thwarting procreation. And so while we do not account, uh, attach the meaning to it because we didn't intend it, and that's in quote, air quotes, the demon is going to count it as a malefice. He's going to count it as something which militates directly against God's blessing of humans in Genesis 3. Well, well, well. Last question. Page 19. Latin binding prayer. Because I bind you in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Cross. That uh, seems to be an imprecatory prayer prayed by somebody over themselves, correct? Over themselves or their children. This is specifically the prayer that Father's referring to uh, where you've got a child in an illicit relationship or a relationship that is a, that is not a good relationship. Um, this is specifically that prayer, and it has the following uh, uh, adjustment. So when it says, I'm on the English side, spirit of in. And so, for instance, in this one, you would say spirit of uh, Cupid or inordinate attraction. I bind you in the name of Jesus or any spirit acting as a Cupid or an inordinate attraction that attracts Bob and Sally, my son or my daughter, to join them in a relationship of sin. And so what you're doing there is you're you're adding in there your request as a parent. You have the requisite authority. But then the question becomes, what have I done to give up my authority? Is she living in an apartment by herself? Should she be in my house? Etc. Got it. Good stuff. We'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to War College, Kyle Clements, Dan Schneider, Jesse Romero. Every single Wednesday, tune in. Let people know about this show. This is high-level spiritual warfare. You're not going to get this anywhere else, I promise you. Well, that's a wrap. Remember... The uh, month of May, the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, month of Corpus Christi. What an incredible month for us as Catholics. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for us three, we are EOW, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith. <laughs>